Hey, uh, I don't know if you noticed, but we have a roof on our church, uh, which looks great. I'm very thankful for that. But we have a lot more work to do. Um, so for the next uh, three Saturdays, we're going to be working every Saturday here. If you can come by, there'll be something you can do. We've got all sorts of things. Um, if you've got a bad back, we've still got some things you can do. If you've got a good back, we've got things you can do. Uh, I want to thank those who have been coming out. We had a, a good group show up yesterday, and uh, I don't know if you noticed it, but our, our whole sign on the corner out here is getting replaced, uh, rebuilt, and um, thousands and thousands of cars go by that, that sign every day. So we have a great opportunity to just let people know we're here, but also that God's here. Uh, not here at this location. He's everywhere, but he's especially here. Amen. And uh, I, I hope that you sense his presence this morning. Uh, there's been a couple references during worship to how are you feeling? How's it going? What are you going through? Um, God's aware of all of that. He's totally aware. And here's, here's the culture we're trying to establish here is not to be problem conscious, but to be God conscious, to be aware that God is available, he's on the scene, and if he's on the scene, listen, the word says, if God's for you, who can be against you? So tell somebody next to you, just preach to them and say, hey, God's for you, just tell them that, that's a good word. Listen to uh, this passage that has been such a, a key part of what we've been focusing on for this year. It's in Colossians chapter 3, just uh, to the first two verses. Um, it says, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Then it says, set your mind on the things above, not on the things on the earth. So we're being told to do something. First of all, the Bible the Word of God never tells you to do something that is impossible to do. The, the Bible doesn't set you up for failure. Now, it does tell you things that may seem impossible. Um, there, it's very difficult, for instance, when you're faced with something, to take your focus off with that thing that you're faced with and say, God, even though I see this with my natural eyes, I'm going to put my focus on you. You're told to do that because when you do that, the way you look at that thing or those things or the situation, whatever it may be, whatever, uh, however impossible it may seem, God has you focus on him and it'll cause you to focus on that thing differently. And there's tons of testimonies of how God has changed the way we look at things. How many instead of a thing have had to look at somebody? And God's changed the way you look at somebody. Um, we just uh, had a uh, memorial yesterday for Jimmy Rich. And uh, Jimmy Rich was a key part of this church for years. In fact, his wife, Mary Lou, um, it's her dad. If you've ever heard the story that I've told about the start of uh, different things in, our, in our, our ministry here, for instance, the start of our school, which was founded in 1948, by a woman named Evelyn Thompson. Evelyn Thompson drove out one day out to East Valley Parkway, and back then it was all fields, and she walked out in the middle of this field and began to, the Lord told her, I'm going to give you this land, and she began to cry, and I don't know if you've heard this story, but she's, imagine, here she's pulled over on the side of the road, she's out in the middle of the field, hands in the air, tears coming down, and somebody taps her on the shoulder, and she's startled, of course, and the, and the guy goes, hey, lady, are you Okay. And she turned around and said, yes, I'm fine. Uh, it's just, any, you know, he's thinking, you don't look fine. 
And uh, so she proceeds to tell him, oh, I'm just, I'm crying because the Lord's just told me he's going to give us this land. And the guy looks at her and says, well, that's funny because it's my land and I don't know what you're doing here. Well, that man was Mary Lou's dad. And he ended up giving that property to our church, which helped us establish not only our school, but the ongoing ministry, which we're benefiting from today. And I give God praise for that. <clears throat> so yesterday at the memorial, I was honored to, uh, and asked to share a few things um, there about, about Jimmy and just about his life and our appreciation for him. One of the things that I so appreciated about him is that he knew junk, dirt, gossip on stuff all over the place because he was involved in a lot of different leadership positions where stuff happened. Um, you know what I'm talking about. I won't go into detail, although I would love to. Uh, Jimmy would never, ever go into detail about those situations because he would always speak a good word. I want to learn how to do that better. In fact... Um, I was telling my wife yesterday, I go, I hope, I want to be more like, you know, I want to be like Jimmy when I get to be his age. She says, you need to be like him now. Uh, you know, it's one thing to emulate somebody and say, oh, I hope I'm like them someday. You need to start doing it now. And one of the things I want to start learning to do better, and I want you to get better at this, is to be solution conscious, is to be aware that God is available. He's on the scene, and if, if we seek him, he'll show us what to do. It doesn't mean problems go away. I'm not talking about some sky, you know, pie in the sky you know, thing that pretends there's no problems. But how many know we focus often, we talk about often what's wrong rather than what God could do, what God's able to do. And I just, uh, I observed Jimmy so many times just smiling and going, oh man, it's a good thing God's for us. It's a good thing God's going to take care of it, you know. And that isn't to play games, it's to be real with what we're being told to do here, to put our mind on things above. Now, I want to uh, switch gears a little bit. Let's go to Daniel and why uh, you're getting there. And, uh, in fact, we'll have this slide up, but if you have your Bible with you, go to Daniel 10. I want to show you something. And then also pull out of your bulletin, there's a little insert <clears throat> that is for our second week of fasting together. Um, I'm not going to ask you whether you're fasting or not. Uh, the word is pretty clear that when you do do these things, you're, you're not to, to talk about it. Uh, only because you're not to boast and impress people with how, how spiritually uh, mature you are to be able to fast. Um, and I'll uh, avoid asking for a show of hands of how many have been actually fasting. But fasting could be just not doing something that you regularly do. For instance, every morning pulling your phone out and going through Instagram or going through Facebook. Uh, there's many of us that have said, we're not going to for 21 days look at social media. That's, believe it or not, more difficult than it seems because this can be habit forming. How many have found that out? Um, but it also means to go without food. So there's many of us that have chosen, uh, in some cases, to do what's called a Wesleyan fast, which is uh, no food uh, before sunrise or in, and then until after sunrise. I should say no food after sunrise and no food until sunset. Uh, John Wesley used to do that. There's some that are, are just doing what's called a Daniel's fast, which is what we're going to read about here, which is just to uh, maybe simplify your diet rather than just having the best carne asada burrito, just dripping in guacamole. 
with all sorts of the best salsas you ever had. No, no, you, you, you say, no, I'm, not, I'm just going to have a carne asada burrito with no pico de gallo. Boy, you're really, you're really, no, I'm someone I'm talking about. But l- listen to Daniel chapter 10, verse 3. Daniel says, I ate no pleasant food. Now that word pleasant, I want you to focus on that because it's a word we're going to see again, though you may not have known it was the same word. I'm going to show you something interesting. I ate no pleasant food. No meat or wine came into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself. Anoint here doesn't have to do with the anointing of the Spirit. It has to do with he didn't put any uh, perfumes on it. There's an indication he probably bathed, but he didn't put his favorite cologne on and his favorite smell-good stuff. He didn't do that. And he said until three weeks were fulfilled, or 21 days. That word pleasant is the word chamad. Uh, It's similar, uh, the conjunction there is similar to another word that you may be familiar with. It's the word mercy that's very difficult to translate because it means all different things. It's translated in some places as God's loving kindness. It's translated as his unfailing love and kindness. It's translated just simply as mercy. It's the word chesed. I love saying it because I sound so Hebrew when I say it. Uh, but this word has the same uh, conjunct at the beginning of it. It's chamad. Uh, it, it means something that is pleasing, something that is not just pleasant, but it brings joy with, with the reception of it. He said, I ate nothing that was really pleasing. Um, I didn't put seasoning that I like on that particular dish. I just ate it bland. Uh, I remember Pastor Jack Hayford was talking to me one time, and he said, sometimes when I fast, I just eat oatmeal with no brown sugar, no butter, no cream, nothing, just oatmeal because I need to get something in my stomach. That's such a great illustration because there's nothing pleasant about just plain old oatmeal. (laughs) It's the brown sugar. It's the butter. It's the cream that makes it taste so good. This doesn't apply to pie a la mode, though, by the way. Uh, Pie is more pleasing a la mode, but pie is pleasing in and of itself. So the illustration breaks down at some point. But I want you to see that he didn't eat anything pleasing. And then it says in verse 10, look down at verse 10 with me. It says, suddenly a hand touched me, which made me tremble. How many would tremble if some hand out of nowhere touched you? And he said he was on his knees and on the palms of his hands. And this person, who we find out earlier is the angel Gabriel, Gabriel comes and speaks to him and says, O Daniel, man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for I have been sent to you. And while he was speaking this word to me, I I stood trembling. Look at these three words, man greatly loved. It's the word again, chamad. In other words, Daniel didn't eat things that were pleasing but God was pleased with him. Let me try it again. He didn't eat anything that was pleasing. God found him pleasing. Can you imagine that God would find you or I pleasing? That there's something in our lives that would be pleasing to him, that could be comparable to food that we love, food that we would go, oh, I can't do without this. I'm going to try, but it's going to be very difficult. The best I can do is 21 days. God says, your life is like that to me. Imagine that. You're pleasing to the Lord. I want you to turn to somebody and just help me preach. Say, you're pleasing to God. Just tell him that. Now, 
Look with me at verse 12. I want to go on and show you something that's so fascinating. It says, that the angel continued to speak. He said, do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. And I have come because of your words. I need to tell you that. Whether you're fasting or not, I'm going to tell you God is not deaf. Whatever you're praying, whatever you're speaking, whatever you're bringing to him, he hears you and he's aware of it. And the angel tells that to him. But he says in verse 13 something interesting. He says, the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, another angel, came to help me. For I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Now, I don't have time to go into a lot of detail here, but I want to tell you something. Everything that you do before the Lord, when you try to put your focus on him, when you attempt to bring things to him, like we just read about, instead of focusing on the things of the earth, Lord, I'm turning my face toward you right now. Instead of making my attention and the confession of my mouth based on what I see with my natural eyes, I'm going to put my attention on you and let my confession be what your word says. When you do that, guess what? There's going to be resistance. In fact, we're told there's a regional authority called the Prince of Persia. I'm going to tell you there's a regional authority that's over this area that doesn't want you seeking God. Oh, he'll, this, this force of darkness will let you do a lot of stuff. It'll even let you show up for church. It'll let you come to church and even do things that look super religious and maybe even entertain you to think that what you're doing is pleasing to the Lord. But I'm going to tell you, he doesn't want you. The forces of hell do not want you opening your mouth and saying, Lord, here I am. I need you. Oh, I need you every hour. I need you. And also to say, Lord, but I thank you that you're capable. You're able. You're more than able to take care of that which I give to you. You're going to work in this situation even though I don't know it because your word says that you hear my prayers. That's what we're reading right here. Now, it's so encouraging to me to know that when we're being withstood, God's still working. Can I tell you something? If you've been waiting for some breakthrough or something to happen that's been going, not, not 21 days, how about 21 years? I'm gonna tell you, God's still not done. He's still working. He's still moving. He's still available. He still has a plan. And let me tell you, it's a good one, amen? So here's what I want you to do. I want you to pull this out. And hey, if you're here for the first time, Uh, You can do with this whatever you want. I hope maybe some of these things would be something that you would engage in because we're going to show you in the Word. It's what God wants you to engage in. But if you're a part of this fellowship, let's really focus in on these things that we're going to do each day of the week. And I want to start with tomorrow. We're going to start with day one of this week's fast. We're going to ask the Lord to begin to stir up the gifts of the Holy Spirit, to stir up the gifts of of the Holy Spirit in our lives and in our church. There's places in Scripture where we're told that the gifts happen whenever we gather together to the degree that there needs to be limitations put on them. Not a problem in the modern church. We're really good about talking about the gifts. We're even good at writing books about them, but actually letting them operate, we're not so good at. We're going to change that. We're going to see God work by the gifts of the Holy Spirit because I want, to, I want to do things that are of His Spirit, not of Joel Phillips. I want to do things that are born 
of the Holy Spirit, that are empowered by the Holy Spirit, because that's what will make all the difference in the world. Now, in 1 Corinthians 14, it says this. It says, pursue love. Tell, tell somebody near you, I love you. Tell them that. Go ahead. Tell them that. It's a good thing. And so notice that, that these are connected. We want to love one another, but we're also to pursue our desire. It's a very interesting word. It means to be zealous about, desire spiritual gifts. And, or you could, depending on the translation, some would say, and especially that you prophesy. The New King James says, but especially that you prophesy. It doesn't mean seek spiritual gifts and most importantly, prophesy. It means to make sure there's a prophetic edge on whatever you do. What, is it, what, is, what does that mean? That means I'm speaking with words that are born of the Spirit. If you haven't done this before, you need to start doing it because God wants to speak through you. He's not sending angels to talk. He sent you to talk. And you have to learn to hear his voice and say, for instance, you may have heard me talk about this last week. I, I, I told a story about being at the mall with my granddaughter and I saw a woman and the Lord told me to walk up and say something to her. I was nervous. I knew it was God. I knew what he wanted me to tell her, but I was still nervous. Listen, that won't go away. But here's what I have learned is to press beyond that nervousness and be obedient and do what God has told me to do and say what he's told me to say. Because, man, there's nothing like it. There is nothing like it. The worst feeling, though, is to know God told you to do something, say something, to respond in some way, and you didn't do it. People will come up and say, you know, uh, I, I was supposed to say something. I, I felt the Lord, and I, and I can sense their regret and their, the, the, the sense of, like, I failed him. And I'll just say, listen, remember how you're feeling right now. The next time God tells you to speak, to do something, respond to him. Do it. Don't fail that. Here's, here's one of the misunderstandings that we have. Um, let me finish this verse and then let's try, to, let's try to clear this up. It says, for he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit he speaks mysteries. For he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. Okay, now, here's one of the things that's greatly misunderstood. The whole area of, of this idea of tongues. I want to talk about it for a minute. In fact, if we don't get any further than this, I'll feel like I've accomplished something. It's one of the most, one of the most mysterious areas, and because of that, we avoid it like the plague. Uh, it's almost like what we, we were talking about earlier about sexuality. We're sexual beings, and yet one of the last things that's talked about in the church is sexuality. Therefore, the world has defined in many of our lives what sexuality is like. That shouldn't happen, but I, 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 I'll go astray if I, if I talk too much about that, because I want to talk about tongues. The Word says, if you read further in 1 Corinthians 14, that this should happen so regularly whenever we get together that there needs to be limitations, two and at the most three. And it tells us clearly that when someone speaks in tongues publicly, it needs to be interpreted and that that interpretation of that tongue now equates or is equivalent to prophetic words, okay? We're afraid of that. And yet later in 1 Corinthians 14, it says, tongues are a sign to the unbeliever. 
But we get indoctrinated, we get, we get ideas about things, and it's interesting to me, the more indoctrination we have, the more ideas we have, the less we do. The power that is available to us. Now listen, how does this power come? It comes through the Spirit. Remember the disciples. Jesus has risen from the dead. They've heard about it. And what are they doing? They're hiding. So he walks into the upper room where they are not into the upper room, into the room where they were hiding. It says that he didn't even open the door. He just walked through the wall, by, uh, which I love because if Jesus is going to get to you, he can get to you wherever you're hiding. Um, how many have learned to quit hiding from him? It just doesn't work. <clears throat> so he walks in and he says, shalom, peace. And then he breathed upon them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. At that point, the Holy Spirit came into them. They were born again. They had received the gift of salvation. How is it that it took till then? Because he was now risen from the dead. He paid the full price for their sin and everyone else's sin. And now he says, receive the Holy Spirit. When you become a Christian, you're automatically filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes to dwell in you. By the way, I wish I got a better amen. Maybe you're not born again. The word says that it's the Spirit of God that bears witness to you that you are a child of God. You've not received a spirit of fear, but the Spirit whereby you cry, Abba, Father, which is the spirit of adoption. You know you're his kid. You know God is real. You may not be able to answer all the theological questions and issues that may uh, be presented, but you know God's real and he speaks to you and he leads you. Whether you're being obedient, whether you're doing what he says, that's a whole other issue, but you know he's real. How many can say amen to that? So we've not received a spirit of fear. And yet when it comes to spiritual gifts, we're all petrified. Aren't we? Think about this. The disciples, they go from hiding, right? Then he says this. He said, don't leave this place until you're filled with the Holy Spirit, until you're, you're endued with power from on high. Okay? And it says that they were praying, they were gathered together, and then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit came into that, uh, that room where they were, and that was the upper room, came into that upper room, and it says, with a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And then it says, there were cloven tongues of fire on each of their heads, which is a sign of purification. Uh, listen, dear ones, you've got habits that need to be broken. Uh, you can have people pray for you until the cows come home, which is not, not necessarily bad. The cows need to get home at some point. But you want to see something broke, something absolutely annihilated that has been plaguing you, that has been a habit, that has been a bondage, start praying in the Spirit. And it says when they were praying in this way, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit filled them and they began to speak with other tongues. Where There's no reference of any interpretation other than, listen, other than there were people gathered for the Feast of Pentecost in the city of Jerusalem from all different countries that spoke different languages, and it says each of them said, we heard the wondrous works of God being talked about. They heard their own language, but they hadn't heard the gospel. I've actually heard people say that, well, tongues may happen sometimes. You can go somewhere and God will give you, you'll be able to speak Swahili so that you can preach to people in Kenya. 
whatever. Uh, that may happen. I'm not going to discount. God can do whatever he wants. But that's not what happened in the Bible. What happened in the Bible was they heard their own languages being talked about the wondrous works of God. But Peter had to step up and say, hey, we're not drunk. This is what the prophet Joel prophesied about. That in the last days he'd pour out his spirit upon all flesh. And then he preaches this incredible sermon and thousands of people give their lives to Christ. So tongues wasn't for the gospel. It was a sign that something supernatural was going on. Now, here's another point of confusion. People say, well, I'm not, I don't have the gift of tongues. And that may be legitimate. There's two different operations of tongues. There's the gift of tongues, which happens publicly. When that happens... That needs to be interpreted. So, for instance, if you're new to this and this seems unfamiliar, you've been indoctrinated against it, uh, let me tell you, number one, we don't plan this. This isn't in a service order. After song three, at minute 15.8 in the service, we're going to have Brother Carruthers blast out a message in tongues, and then Sister Blister is going to interpret it. We We don't do that. There's people that think that, so I need to clarify. We don't plan that. But I'm going to tell you what we do do. We do say, Lord, we want you to operate. And and listen, I want to get better at making room for him to operate, uh, which is what I want to do even right now in a minute. They spoke with tongues individually. It doesn't say one of them got it, and then another person got the gift of helps, and then another person got the gift of leadership, and then that person got the gift of healing, and that person got the gift of faith. It says they all spoke with tongues. Then, and, and if you, if you want to go a little further, every time the Holy Spirit poured himself out, the people, one of the manifestations of that outpouring was they spoke with tongues. We don't have any indication of that being interpreted. However, the difference is this own personal infilling of the Holy Spirit that manifests itself with tongues. Let let me try to explain what that means. In other words, the Holy Spirit now comes in me at salvation, then upon me in power after salvation. One of the evidences of that power coming on me is I begin to speak with tongues, now, there's other evidences, too. Everyone, uh, I've heard talk about this. They'll say, well, we need to have, before we need to worry about tongues, we need to have the, the, the fruit of the Spirit in our life. I totally agree with that. But one of the ways you get the fruit of the Spirit operating in your life is speaking with tongues because it bypasses this intellect of yours, this brain of yours that you think may be super good, but I'm going to just tell you it's not that good, baby. It can get you in trouble. Listen, have your mind renewed. Be renewed by this mind. What are we we told? To be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Our minds are important. But dear ones, let me say that the way you do that is by the edification of your spirit. How do you get your spirit edified? It's not by sitting, listening to me. I'm, I'm teaching you. I'm telling you things. But ultimately what has to happen is you've got to start entering into the spirit. You've got to pray in the spirit. You've got to sing in the spirit. Paul says, I'll sing with my understanding, but I'm also going to sing in the spirit. I'll pray in the, with my understanding, but I'm also going to pray in the spirit. And he says, when I do this, my spirit man is being edified and built up. Other people aren't being edified. I'm being edified. Now, for some reason, we've decided we don't need that. Where in the world did the church decide we don't need to be built up in our spirits anymore? You say, well, no one's saying that. Well, they're not, but they are. By saying, I don't need tongues. Really? Well, it was the decided difference in the disciples' lives. They went from hiding 
to giving their lives for Christ. They went from not doing anything to walking to the temple one day and they looked down at the man who has laid there all of his life and they said, we don't have any silver or gold, but such as we have, we're gonna give it unto you in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And the man began to not only walk, he began to dance and leap and run around and he got him in trouble because all the, the people saw this and were so impressed that the, they had to arrest him to simmer the crowd down. I, I don't think that's a problem with us, but it should be. It should be. Uh, let, me, let me give you another example of what's happening. You know, we've talked about this parking lot up here. Um, if you haven't heard me talk about it, I, the Lord showed me about a year and a half ago that that area up by which the, the Viarda stores up there, J&M's restaurant, Home Depot, Rubio's. I'm going to name all the restaurants right now because I'm wishing I was eating at one of them. But, but by the way, there's a smoothie place there. Uh, something, uh, they also make tortas, but they make smoothies and they're really, really good. Anyhow, Home Depot, Albertsons, there's a spiritual stronghold there. I'm just telling you that influences the city. We decided back in July, we were going to go to that spot and pray and say, God's kingdom is going to be established and it will not just affect this parking lot. It's going to affect our entire community. We're praying for God to visit this place in such a way that it'll change lives and affect everything around us. Guess what? I dare you to go up there. You can sense there's been a change. I'm telling you, something... In the same way that the people who knew Peter said, man, weren't you the guy that was denying him a little while ago? And now here you are, you're preaching with boldness. What happened? He would say, I was filled and baptized with the Holy Spirit. Power came upon me. It was the decided difference in their lives. Now, if it was the decided difference in their lives, it needs to be in yours and mine. When this happens, gang, you, you, you can't imagine how... Every outpouring of the Holy Spirit, yes, people got saved. Yes, there was great, great numbers of salvations. But in revivals where the Holy Spirit began to pour himself out on people and they began to receive fresh, hear, hear me, fresh. This isn't a, I was baptized with the Holy Spirit in 1978 at Camp Cedar Crest. I spoke with other tongues and I've been glad ever since. That, that isn't what I'm talking about. I'm talking about daily, this daily thing where we say, Lord, pour out your, listen, if you start letting the Holy Spirit pour himself out on you, how do you think it's going to affect our church? How do you think it's going to affect your family? How do you think it's going to affect the places, the spheres of your influence? You're going to have the Holy Spirit lead you, guide you, show you things, and you're going to be filled with the sense of God using you. It's the most amazing. You can, I'm telling you, you can't get enough of it. You, you, you can't get enough of it. So let me offer you something. Let me, let me ask you this. Have you been baptized with the Holy Spirit? Would you like to be? Because it could happen right now, right here in this room. And I would be honored, honored if you'd let me pray with you. Um, is Alex Carroll here? I thought I heard him shouting amen earlier. Where, Alex, there he is right there. I love that brother. For one reason, because if ever I'm worried about my safety, I just say, uh, I know Alex, and um, he's really big. But here's this big guy in my office one day, and I just, he was going through some stuff, you know, we were praying and we are talking. I say, hey, Alex have you been baptized with the Holy Spirit? And he goes, I don't think so. And I go, well, have you ever prayed in tongues? No. I go, would you like to? He goes, sure. I'll never forget this. Man, I just put my hand on him. And I said, Lord, baptize him right now in your spirit. I begin to pray in the spirit. 
man, these words started pouring out of his mouth. He's looking at me like, is that it? I'm like, that's it, man. You've already heard words. You've already heard them. Some of you, and you're afraid to, you're saying, I'm making this up. Why would you, why would you be making something like that up? The word says this, if you pray to the Father and ask him for the Spirit, he's going to give you the Spirit in abundance, and out of your innermost being is going to flow rivers of living water. And then he says, Jesus compares it, he says, your earthly fathers do better than, than, than you think. They don't give you a rock when you ask for an egg. They don't give you a scorpion when you ask for a piece of bread. So your heavenly Father is going to give you the Spirit, and we're not to be afraid of it. Gang, I'm telling you, this is the key to breakthrough. I think about people like Jimmy and people that I've admired in my life, uh, people I've watched, my own parents. The breakthroughs that happened in their life happened on the heels of worship. That is why God is using, I believe, worship worldwide. Everywhere we go, songs are being sung And where songs are being sung, it's not just the music. It's what's happening through that worship. You show me a person who's a worshiper, and I'll show you a person who's experiencing breakthrough. When you begin, though, to worship in spirit. See, this is what Jesus tells that woman at the well. He, uh, He said, the Father seeking such who worship him in spirit and in truth. He's looking for those who understand that there's a spiritual realm at work that's much more real than the physical realm that we live in. There's a power available that commands truth to be spoken over that situation. See, truth is not just something that we think is right. It's actually, it is right, but it's right because what God says. God has said it, that commands truth. I wanna pray for you. I want to pray this morning that you, like those disciples, are filled with power. Filled with power. And this isn't about tongues. I, 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 wish, I wish this could be so um, removed from it. But tongues, the beautiful thing about it is that through that outpouring of the Spirit, when I begin to pray in the Spirit, it says somehow that bypasses all of my thinking. It bypasses my intellect, my, my flesh, and it allows me to begin to understand and experience and be strengthened in the Spirit. Now, the Lord wants to do that for you. He wants to do that right now. Praise you, Lord. I don't know. I, I just feel like we need to worship the Lord for a moment. Just lift hands and voices. That's it. That's it. Just pour out, pour out your heart and worship. We bless you, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Father. Praise you, Jesus. Come on now, let's just begin to pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. Those of you that can pray in the Spirit, just begin to pray in the Spirit. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Now, there's words that you're hearing. You, you think you're making those up. You're not making those up. Those are spirit-led, spirit-birthed words, but you just release them. Don't be afraid. You, hey, you don't have to do this. This is You didn't have to even come to church this morning. It's something God wants you to do, though, to be released in this wonderful anointing of the Holy Spirit, this wonderful power.
that's available. Come on, let's, let's, let's just begin. That's a spirit of praise coming in this place. Oh, that's good. Come on, lift it up. Something's breaking. I sense it. Hallelujah. Now let's just sing in our known language. Just sing praise. If you can't, if you can't sing anything else, just sing hallelujah, hallelujah. I bless you, Lord. I praise you. Lift voices. I just want to hear voices. Let's sing to the Lord. The greatest and most beautiful instrument in the world is your voice. I bless you, Lord. I praise you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory to your name, Lord. Praise you, Father. <laughs> hallelujah, hallelujah. Great are you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus.